perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 140th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We have Amber Green co-host with us. And today we're going to be talking about an Indiana House bill, a bill that is going before the Indiana House of Representatives to be talked about and voted on before that it would then go to the Indiana Senate. Of course, we are right now in the period where the Indiana General Assembly is talking about various different bills that they have both put forward, being the Indiana Senate and the Indiana House, and then if they are voted on and passed, they will switch and go into the other chambers and be voted on, and if they are passed through, then they will be laws, and there are lots of these that come up during every Indiana General Assembly. Uh, If you're listening outside of the state of Indiana, this same process happens in your state as well as it happens at the federal level. So this will be an interesting episode because we talk a little bit about what's going on there. Uh, And there are many different uh, bills, uh, both for the House and the Senate, that are currently in play. We're going to specifically be focusing on one House bill today. House Bill 1364, which talks about making the Indiana State Licensing uh, Boards, the, the people who deal with the licensing, relax upon individuals who are in the field of beauticians or those that are barbers or other people in the hair, nail, makeup, and beauty world. Right now, you have to go to schooling for a certain period of time. After you get out of school, you have to go through the process of becoming licensed. And this has uh, implications far beyond those in the beauty field or or, uh, hair, nail, and makeup field because there are other uh, careers where licenses are needed, such as PI, uh, alcohol license for bars and restaurants, um, and and various other situations. And so, no matter what your thought is on what we're going to be talking about, this will be an interesting episode because this is also far-reaching in the fact that there are a lot of people that do this for a living, and this is how a lot of people make money Uh, to live, to pay their bills, and to feed their families. So this will be uh, an interesting episode, and we will get into that in just a moment. Before we do, though, I do have to ask that you share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. All they have to do is pull up one of those hosting sites and type in Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. But the easiest way to find us, if someone does not listen, just tell them. All they got to do is go to Google and enter in Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast, and it will pull us right up. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilberry318. There, I release a live video episode seven days a week at 8.35 p.m., and that is a little bit more local content. It's a little bit less produced. It's a little bit more one-on-one, and it's always a pretty good time. So be sure to check us out there. As long as we survive on Facebook, you never know when that might come to an end. 
Uh, all right, we're getting ready to get into it, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. You guys sit back, and we will be right back. You're listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey and Amber Green. This is episode 140. I'm calling it Caveat Mtor. Buyer beware. We'll be right back. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and must consumer access number 3030. Perception. Perception. Perception is... Reality. Reality. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. She's Amber Green. You're listening to the 140th episode of Perception is Reality. Amber, what are we going to talk about in this episode? So we are talking about the proposed bill in Indiana. This is Bill House Bill 1364. Um, and if you're not aware what this is, this is a proposal to eliminate the need for hairstylists, estheticians, cosmetologists, um, basically anyone in the beauty industry that is required to have a license, this legislature could eliminate the need for this license to operate. And we are a bit undecided here. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair way to say that. I, I I would say so. First of all, for people to understand, the Indiana General Assembly is currently in action, and they're all putting forth various bills. There are all sorts of things going on, and there are a lot right now that people are really upset about. And this is something that is common everyday affects everybody. I mean, everyone listening to this, well, not everyone, some people are bald, I guess, but a good percentage of people listening to this have hair, and they're either men or women, and they, they go to a barber, go to a beautician, they're someone who goes and has, you know, professional makeup, you know, applied or, or going whatever, you know, what all goes into the spa or the the beautician type of situation, you know, I'm. You can tell that I'm a man. Um, I your hair cutter. Yeah, that's what I always said. I, I I've heard found out that people don't like. Well, that's it. a good way to offend them. <laughs> right, right. You cut hair. Uh, right. So, uh, but everybody gets their hair cut, and this is a way of life for you know people in the in in Indiana how they make their um money how they feed their family and this is something uh that is pretty controversial matter of fact during an interview with a candidate for governor uh back in May when I w- interviewed Donald Rainwater the libertarian candidate for governor we actually talked about this just briefly in one of the interviews that's actually episode 101 if people want to go back and listen to that uh, and we talked about a situation similar to this, and it does have a lot of people on both sides riled up on whether or not this should pass, if it should not pass, if things should stay the same. So break down basically. T- tell people if they don't know. And, and if, look, listen. If you're if you're not a woman and you're listening to this, or you're not a beautician or a barber, this has realistic 
um, application to people's lives because you know this this has a lot more to do than just this. Professional licensing in each state um, are a serious business, and they uh, affect how people decide to create businesses and do different things. So this definitely has real world applications for a lot of people talking about tattoo artists, people who might be interested in uh, starting a bar or uh, you know a restaurant where they may need a liquor license or tattoo artists, private investigators. So <clears throat> this has a lot of real world applications. But if you can, because you're kind of in this world, tell everybody what the process is now to the best of your ability uh, if someone wants to be a beautician. So to the best of my knowledge, um, and please, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, you, cosmetology and aesthetics is two different um, courses. Cosmetology would be um, if you're wanting to cut hair color hair, style hair, mm. you know, anything involving hair, you would have to go to school and then become a licensed cosmetologist. And there is a certain number of hours required. Um, there are so many hours on the floor, so to speak, of the school that you attend. Um, so many real life hours actually, you know, doing the work, cutting hair, applying color, uh, all of that. And the same goes for aesthetics. Aesthetics meaning um, anything involving the skin. So you want to open your own spa and perform facials or body wraps or anything like that when you're applying some type of treatment to the skin. Um, you can do both, obviously. You can, you can go to school for both at the same time. That's putting a lot on your plate, but it's totally possible. Um, or you can do one or the other if you are just interested in, you know, performing facials at a spa. You don't need to go and get your cosmetology license because you have no desire to do anything with hair. Um, so that's really what what is required currently. Um, I think where where I became interested in this is because I've been in the beauty world for the better part of a decade now. And uh, I started in makeup. I was in makeup for uh, seven years. And one of the, the nifty little things about Indiana's licensing laws when it comes to makeup is if you've ever been to the mall and you see the makeup counters at, you know, Macy's or what Sephora, Ulta, whatever, you see that those people are applying makeup to the customer's faces. And the interesting thing about Indiana licensing law is you do not have to be licensed to do that if you are applying makeup with the intent of selling the product. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you're doing it in a you know retail environment where it is strictly a retail environment, it is not a licensed salon or spa, and you are working for a brand or for an umbrella brand, so let's say you're working for Ulta or Sephora, you can apply that makeup to the customer's faces, obviously with their permission, You're not just chasing them through the store with a scoop <laughs> lipstick. Right. And you don't have to be licensed. Sure. And that is where I got started. And that is where I learned. And I, 
I worked for a specific brand. I did not work for a store. Um, I worked for a very well-known brand. And I learned from international makeup artists, people that literally travel the world and work for this brand, but work for New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week and in Milan and for, you know, big name magazine photo shoots. Like I learned under some of the best people that I could have possibly learned under. And that brand, yes, we sold skincare as well. Skincare was a big part of it, but I was never, I was never performing facials. Right. You know, I'd, I'd recommend like, this is going to be the best skincare to make your makeup look the best, you know, but I was, I was never like laying them down and, and using any type of tool. Um, and I became super interested in the artistry of makeup. And that's what I did. Um, for, for the last two years, um, before COVID, I did work, um, directly with hair salons. Um, but my, my big passion in the beauty industry is, is makeup and the artistry and the creativity. So the part of this bill that kind of stuck out to me, and there's an article, um, let me see if I can find this article. Hold on just a second. And it seems that the creator of this bill is kind of thinking the same way I do. I, in my opinion, and I know I will get heat for this. I am more than willing to take it. In my opinion, a makeup artist, when that is all you're doing, you're doing makeup for proms, weddings, you know, what have you. Sure. Should not have to spend the same amount of time in aesthetic school learning how to apply all of these chemicals or use tools on the face when it just comes to makeup. And most makeup artists that I know have no desire to do that either. Like our, our job is after the, the guest or the client has seen their esthetician. Okay. All right. <laughs> you get that, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, this is, uh, the, the bill creator, let me see if I can find Timothy Wesco yep. representative Timothy Wesco. He's quoted in this article. This is from Fox news out of Fort Wayne, but it's still applicable because it's a state bill. Um, it says if you have an individual who has learned this skill on their own and wants to make a little bit of side money, they don't want to necessarily make it their profession, but they want to do hair for special events or whatever it is and have people pay them. I think we should allow that to happen. And he, he kind of, I disagree with him on the hair portion. Um, but I agree with, you know, these people that are self-taught. Right. Like, I, I was, I was what you would call self-taught. I mean, I learned under artists, but I also did a lot of work on my own. Um, I know plenty of other makeup artists that did the same thing. They perfected their craft by practicing on themselves or on their friends or hell. I've even seen some of them practicing on their husbands. Right. Yes, sure. Girl, I see you. <laughs> and, and they're great. They're incredibly right. talented. They have massive followers on social media. They're posting amazing, incredible looks. And then you get somebody who says, well, they're not any good because they're not licensed. Bullshit. Right. Yeah. A, a license does not determine your talent or your ability. <laughs> and I think that's 
that's where I, I become undecided. Like I personally, I think cosmetology and aesthetics and makeup and nails. Let's don't forget that's part of the beauty industry too. Okay. I think all of these things should be separate. Um, especially hair. Hair should stand in a class all its own because you are dealing with chemicals. Sure. Ninety percent of the time. I mean, if you're if you're strictly a barber and you're only doing men's haircuts and ninety eight percent of your clients don't want color, okay. But I still think you should have to learn it. And when you're dealing with chemicals, there still should be some type of licensing requirement there. Well, it's you, it's interesting. You know, you said that it doesn't. A license doesn't show you someone's ability. I, I, it shows you someone's ability to be able to deal with bureaucracy and cut through red tape and and have to deal with all that horseshit because it is a process, and you know it it can discourage people. Um, you know, as does the licensing process for a lot of different things and you've got people uh at the at the state house uh making decisions on folks who want to be licensed as barbers or beautician or you know other other professions that you need to be licensed in who you know, may have been doing this 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and they really don't have an understanding or a grasp of what goes on today. And so you're having people that's making decisions that aren't really even in the same ball game anymore. And so I've got a problem with it there. I, and, and look, I fall very much under the belief of caveat emptor, buyer beware. If you are comfortable going and getting your hair cut from Pennywise down in the sewer <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're cool with that, that's on you. I, I want to know that the people cutting my hair are adequately, you know, disinfecting the blades that they're putting against my scalp if, God forbid, I should get cut by something. Uh, you know, I've been to barbers. I have been to, um, you know, beautician, you know, women that have salons that cut men, women, and children's hair. Uh, when I lived in London, England, I actually went to a barber who would straight razor shave my face, you know, once a week. And it was well, fantastic. It did say, I noticed in the article, it did say that the bill would require non-licensed professionals to have a waiver signed by their clients. So the client has to sign a waiver saying, yes, I'm completely aware I'm getting, you know, XYZ service done from an unlicensed. Yes. So it, it, pro it provides that, it provides that, uh, that caveat there. So people can, people can do that. Now where the problem I'm seeing here, the, the problem that I'm seeing is, the, the, I guess the debate, rather, is you're having you're having the women who and men who have spent years in school and years going through the bureaucracy to get their license and upkeep their license, who you know who are saying they feel that it devalues the education and the expertise uh, in in the field, and you know. I can understand why they would feel that, 
but their expertise should stand on its own. You know, whatever's going on with licensing or state, if you've been doing what you do for 20-some years and you have a following, those people aren't immediately going to fall off and go to someone down the street because they're coming to you for their for your expertise, for your, your knowledge, and for what you've built up. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I stand on that. But then at the same time, I do understand where this representative Wesco is coming from, stating that uh, the reason that that he says that he's putting this forward, maybe COVID has created this. He's talking about having individuals who've learned this as a skill on their own, and maybe they are a teacher. Maybe their profession is they're a teacher. Uh, but they also know how to cut hair, and people in their family like how they cut hair, and they have, you know, had the realization that, hey, I could make a little extra bit of money doing this. And so they don't want to make this a profession, but they wouldn't mind doing this for special events or, you know, even extended friends and family, but they don't want to get shut down by the State Board of Health or, or someone else who's complaining on these people. Um, and, you know, West Coast saying, I think they should be able to, you know, kind of make a little bit of extra side hustle there. And, and I can understand where he's coming from there, too. I honestly really don't know what I think about this. Um, I can understand both points. Back to the interview with Donald Rainwater from May of 2020, uh, he had talked about the need to, or his desire to do away with the licensing process because he felt that that was just a hardship being placed on everybody, those that currently have it and those coming up, and it would be something that could be controlled through professional um agencies and clubs and associations who would uh, be out there and then if you want to be a beautician or a barber or you know even take it off into another field if you want to be a tattoo artist or you want to be a private investigator you go through your schooling or if you don't go through schooling you you show your proficiency in this area uh, and you are able to take a test or, or you pay maybe a membership fee to this association and they are the ones that kind of vouch for you, um, you know, and I kind of liked his, his take on that um, as a way to kind of do away with some of the red tape and the bureaucracy. But I, again, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to go to the person in the hole in the wall. I'm going to go to the place that I've known and trusted. So, I, you know, right. I, I just, I, you know, I don't know. Let me ask you this. How does this affect, so just you and yourself doing what you do and having aspirations that, you know, you might have, how does, how does this affect you one in one way or another? Oh, um, honestly, it really doesn't. It, okay. Like, well, I mean, I guess it, if, it, if it were to be passed, it could. Um, so I really haven't done, I, there was a, a time when I was still working for, you know, insert big makeup brand sure. name here. And I was very consistently doing weddings, um, doing makeup for weddings. 
um, just exactly as this bill proposes as a way to earn extra money. I still had a full-time job, um, but my, I was, the more complex my actual job got, the less I was able to, to actually play in the makeup. I was more in a managerial role. Um, and I missed that. So I was, I was pretty consistently doing weddings. And then, um, when I went and worked with, uh, hair salons, hair brands for two years, I really got away from the makeup and that job was just so consuming that I got, I got away from doing weddings. I stopped advertising. Um, I stopped telling people like that I was doing it for special events or weddings or prom or whatever. Um, so now I guess, uh, if this bill were to get passed, I could, I could advertise that service again with no concern of the state breathing down my neck. Sure. Sure. Okay. That, uh, um, yeah. And, and honestly, before I didn't really worry about that, like, and maybe that sounds bad. Um, it was always a possibility that someone was going to report me, but I was not doing this. I was never doing it in a salon. So I was never putting a, like a salon at risk. Um, I was doing it in my home or the client's home. And at that point, you know, there's a, if you read the Indiana code, when it comes to licensing specifically for makeup artistry, it gets very gray when you're applying makeup outside of a salon or a retail environment, because then you're, you're saying, okay, so now the state is allowed to tell me what I can and can't do in my own house. Right. Right. And that's a lot so, of people's concern. Absolutely. So that was really never my worry. Right. Um, I, I, I would like to see this happen for the makeup artist portion of it. And for um, one of my friends made this point. Uh, when you go to cosmetology school, you're not taught any type of ethnic tradition when it comes to hair. Sure. So like you're taught how to cut and color normal white girl hair. Right. But you're not taught any braiding techniques or anything like that that you see a lot of the African American community doing. And I think I've I've not talked to anyone regarding this, but I think they would be all for this because they feel underrepresented when it comes to a cosmetology curriculum and they feel pressured to have to go to cosmetology school so they can then go back and do braids when they're not even taught that in cosmetology school anyway. Right. They've right. learned it from their community and their friends and their family and their heritage. But the state has this ridiculous law that says, well, even though you know far more about it than we do, we're going to require you to go to our school and get our license. <laughs> right, right. So I, I see a lot of benefit to both sides. And one of the things I just read the synopsis of the bill, I have it up on my screen right now, because in a, in a lot of the articles I've seen, you see, you know, whatever quoted cosmetologist that they're talking to say, we've spent money on school or we know the um, hygienic requirements and 
you know, the transfer of, of bodily fluids or chemicals or how those things can harm the scalp or the skin, um, which is true. I'm not, I'm not negating the fact that they have gone to school and they've put money into that, uh, but it does specifically say at the end, provides, however, that the individual is required to comply with all health, safety, security, confidentiality, reporting, and consumer protection requirements applying to an individual who provides the same services pursuant to a state license. So they are still required to follow all of the, right. you know, small, fine print. Sure. In a cosmetology or aesthetics license. They just don't have to have a license. Absolutely. That, right. And, and so then at the end of the day, that allows someone to do exactly what the author here is talking about, where they are able to go through the process if they want it bad enough and they don't have to, they don't have to go through the licensing, but they, they, they can make a little extra money on the side, have a side hustle and go through the steps that they have to uh, make sure that they are at least compliant with this law, if it becomes a law, and they can do as they please without having to go through all of the red tape that they currently have to go through. And I, I don't think that people realize if you wake up and you go to work working for you know, you're you're a you're a manager at, at uh, Applebee's, or or you you work at Muncie Tent Awning, or you you're you know you do something where you go to work for somebody, you just do your thing. But there are a lot of people that that try the you know the uh, old American dream of creating a business and and building something from the ground up. And there are a lot of women who are go go into this field who go to school and or a lot of men who want to become barbers and uh they go through all of this schooling and all all of that to then get out and have to deal with the red tape of going through the state to get this license and it is very discouraging and again i'm not just referring to barbers or beauticians here i feel the same way about the licensing for tattoo artists and uh private investigators maybe okay maybe i'm gonna alcohol. i'm gonna stop you for yep. a minute there yep. um you've mentioned tattoo artists multiple times yep. i did i say say what you just read before we got started because you are correct on that yeah um one of the interesting things um, a lot of the the stylists, makeup artists, um, whatever that I know, have tattoos. Um, a lot of people my age have tattoos. I have tattoos. Yeah. One of the very interesting things that I just discovered. So this this will show my uh, lack of educating myself prior to getting my tattoos. A tattoo artist in the state of Indiana does not have to be licensed. Just the tattoo shop that they are working in has to be licensed. Right. And so this is where it all just becomes convoluted and messy. Like you have someone that is literally dealing with blood. Right. Like yeah. you Needles. are bleeding when you get a tattoo. Yeah. If you say that you don't, you're a liar. Yeah. So stop. Right. But you have someone that is dealing with something that is penetrating your skin 
and they are not required to be licensed, but then we have people that are putting makeup on and they are. Right. Right. Like it, it's just, and I, and, and part of it, um, I'm reading through comments on different articles, um, regarding the, the beauty bill. And part of it is there's not been any updates to licensing requirements or schooling requirements or any of the above for cosmetology or aesthetics since they were introduced 40 freaking years ago. Really? Yeah. So, so that's part of the problem. I can see where this seems like a very large jump to those that have been licensed for years and years because nothing has changed. Literally nothing. But this is an interesting comment as well. Uh, this woman who, from what I can see by the comment, is a licensed hairstylist. She says, it infuriates me because I see this as just another attack on a predominantly female industry that doesn't get a lot of respect as being an actual trade. I think that's a double-edged sword. Because the presenter of the bill is doing this to help females who want to make more money on the side. Sure. So I, ugh. Sure, this and will I'm benefit sure more I, female like, than it does men. Like, I'm cringing saying this because I'm sure I'm going to get shit for it. But I don't really see how this is an attack on a female industry. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't understand. I mean, I, I I I'm surprised more people haven't said that. Um, you know, and I'm I, because I, I I saw that as something when we first started talking about this. When I started thinking that I was you know looking into this and researching, I thought that I would see that more. Uh, frequently than what I did, honestly, I figured that that would be something because the representative is a male who's who's putting it forward, and uh, I figured I, I'm glad that I haven't seen that. I'm sure there are people out there that think that they haven't put that out there, but I agree with you. This is if, if this goes through and this passes, this will help. This will help more females than it help men. I mean, let's face it; that you know there might be a couple. Uh, men out there who want to be barbers on the side, but you are going to be essentially opening up whole new avenues for a lot more women to do, you know, things within this line. And so I don't, I don't see how it would be an attack on women. Uh, you know, no, I really, my... I really don't. I, I mean, I can see where some are saying that it's a slap in the face because they've already spent the money and the time on schooling. Which, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, forgiving student debt. Like right. what about the people that have already paid off their student loans? Sure. You know, sure. sure. Like eventually you're going to run into where you can't make people happy. Um, but I just, I don't see it as an attack. I see it as it's opening an avenue for some portions of the beauty industry that, should not necessarily require a bunch of governmental red tape to be able to function, especially, yeah. excuse me, especially in today's day of uh, like influencer culture. Right. Like you would not believe how many 
people, and if I tell you this and it blows your mind, please take it to heart. You would not believe how many people I've had to tell that coconut oil and ponds cream is not good for their freaking skin <laughs> because they heard it on Instagram. Right. Like, you're still going to get, I think that's only going to get worse. Right. You have these people believing influencers who, by the way, 99.9% .9 of the time are not licensed in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're dealing with that. I know stylists are dealing with that already. You know, they watch some video on Instagram where... Jeffree Star made me do it. Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> they're watching some video where she dyed her own hair like a unicorn and then she goes into the salon because she looks like a bad poop emoji <laughs> and the the stylist has to turn around and undo this influencer culture like that's still gonna happen that's and, exactly correct and and so what i mean i think what we're doing if this bill gets passed is you're kind of allowing you're taking some of that power away from the influencer honestly right. which i'm all for right I, I know there's a lot of people in the beauty industry that will disagree with me and say that they've you know contributed great things to beauty which i'm calling bullshit on that yeah but i think you're taking some of the power away from it from those people that are only famous because of instagram and putting it back into the person who like you like you said earlier the the single mom who has two or three kids and really, really loves makeup and has worked really hard on, on practicing once her kids go to bed, but doesn't have time to stop going to her full-time job to go to, to school to just do makeup on the weekends. Sure. Uh, you know, absolutely. Well, and th I mean, that, that is a big thing right now. We're still in the middle of COVID who knows when this is going to end. Uh, there have been a lot of people that have been, uh, stuck at home and are are not working. You know, they the government, uh, you know, has been very few and far between with the quote unquote stimulus money, which that's a whole other argument. Uh, but uh, this is a way that people can go about uh, making a little bit of extra money and and helping their family and help helping make ends meet. And, you know, I, I definitely understand this. And, and I'm all for the government giving up um, the shackles that it has on what people can do. Because at the end of the day, again, I think that would probably be a good uh, name for this episode, caveat emptor, buyer beware. At the end of the day, you have to make the decision on where you go to get what done. If you are trying to save a little extra money and you're okay going to the person, you know, who maybe doesn't have, you know, may, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to knock anybody, but you know, you can tell the folks that, that care and are doing, doing what they should be doing and, and are putting the time into it and doing things the safe way. And then there are people that cut corners and are not maybe being as safe. And you can, you can, it's pretty easy to tell that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go and sit anywhere that's not clean or that's not doing things in a safe and, and healthy manner. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give money to that person. I'm not going to let them 
cut on my body, my hair, or whatever. And uh, I don't think that a lot of other people are, go- are going to do that as well. But you have the right and the ability to do that. If you want to go to someone like that, have at it. That should be your choice. And I, I-, I like that. The other side of this, and kind of the political side of this, is it's always interesting to see how people get active and what makes people get uh, involved. And the people who are against this have really kind of come out of the woodwork. Uh, I guess they've put together a, uh, a signed petition, uh, where, and I imagine people can still sign it. Uh, I don't see the link in here anywhere, but... Um, as of the 26th of January, there were over 26,000 26, signatures uh, on a petition to stop this Indiana House Bill uh, 1364. And, you know, it's interesting to see how the people kind of get together and do that. I, there's so many people that, that are even politically active locally or maybe even at the state level that really does not have an understanding about how our state laws come to be and this is this is what happens anybody can put forth uh, a bill the house does it the senate does it and if it's a senate bill it's sb and then a number and if the house does it it's hb and a number and for example i just had this pulled up here the indiana senate currently in the 2021 session has roughly 416, 17, some various bills they've put forward. The uh, House of Representatives, the Indian House of Representatives, have put forward double that amount. Uh, So probably 800-some laws. Now, very few of these will ever, ever be discussed, ever be talked about, and will ever anything will ever come of a lot of it is put forward and it dies in committee or whatever and it just doesn't go anywhere but out of these groupings of of senate bills and house bills you know a handful of these will become law when they're voted on and they will then go into uh play next july uh, that's that's how the this coming happen. july this, this yeah this coming yeah six months from now well, and the interesting the thing about, about this bill specifically, from what I could see when I was trying to find articles about this current one, this has been brought up before. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, the, from what I could see most recently in 2012, a bill very similar to this was brought up and was squashed and never made it to the floor. Um, so who knows, you know, what's what's going to happen here. Um and I just thought of this while you were talking about laws, um, how laws come to be. One of the interesting things, and maybe you can chime in about other types of licenses, you know, outside of cosmetology. Um, from talking to different stylists when I had my my job, when I was working with stylists on a regular basis, um, to to the stylist that does my hair. Um, apparently it's very, very difficult, at least in the state of Indiana, to report someone who is not licensed. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of hoops you have to jump through. Um, it's not as easy as just, you know, calling, like, 1-800-INDIANA licensing and saying, you know, Joe Schmo is cutting hair without a license or Susie Smith is performing facials without a license. Like, it's apparently a process to report these people. So... That's another, like, that, that, that begs the question, like, if it's so difficult to report people that aren't licensed, what's the freaking point in having yeah, licenses right. to begin with? Right. If you go in and have a bad experience or you feel like someone's not on the up and up, I mean, you know, just like, for example, if I was going to go get my hair cut, uh, you know, I've, I've been using the same people for quite some time now, but if I was going to... You know, if the, if they shut down and I wanted to go get my hair cut and I had a bad experience and, uh, I don't know, just picking out names. If I just, if I wanted to call and report like, I went to Barber, uh, I don't know, Wes or something like that. You know, just throwing out names. Um, <laughs> where do I go to report that? And the problem is, it's harder than hell. You don't go to the, you, you can call the Board of Work, or excuse me, the, the Board of Health. Uh, to see if the Board of Health would go in. I, you know, as far as cleanliness of the building, you know, they would handle that, the, the aspect of that. But as far as handling, you know, John Doe, uh, the barber, or Jane Doe, the, the beautician, uh, you know, you'd have to figure out how to get in contact with the this licensing board but it's not as easy as just leaving an anonymous message you have to do this whole great big long thing you have to be willing to put your you know a lot of what happens and there's good and bad that come of it you know when you have anonymous reporting more people then it will can, report you can get a bunch of petty bullshit sure like, yeah especially when you're dealing with a female dominated industry like i get it right but you know you have stylists that are so mad right now and they're saying this bill or this proposed bill is a slap in the face to us when in all actuality the system is a slap in the face to you yeah right which is which is true in my opinion it's true across the board the system is <laughs> foobard like I, I totally get it, but don't be mad at this guy who's who's trying to make it easier for other women who might not necessarily want to be, you know, a full-time stylist. Yeah. Like, he's trying to help out women in some way, shape, or form. So, I, I feel like it's kind of misplaced blame. Like, don't be mad at him. Be mad at the fact that when you go to report somebody that's not licensed, that is you know, actively disrespecting your license and your time and your effort. The state wants, you know, your firstborn child in your left arm before you can report it. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, and, and as far as that goes, you're saying, don't be mad at this guy. You know, um, I would say, as I've said with everything else, you know, you, Elected officials are there to represent you, and it's my belief, they might not believe this way, but it's my belief that they are there to hear from you and listen to your concerns. Reach out and try to com you know, communicate with these people. Yeah, if you're against this and you just hate every aspect of it and you want to sign the petition, sign the petition, but reach out to 
Mr. Timothy Wesco. It took 10 seconds to find him on social media. I sent him a friend request just while we've been sitting here recording, and he has accepted it while we've been sitting here recording. You know, these people are not, it's not like we're talking about the President of the United States of America. These are state representatives and state senators. Yes, I'm sure there are a couple of these people that think that they are very, very important. But more... Can we just... Hold on just a second. So you said that you friend requested him. Can we just talk about the fact that he looks like your quintessential, just happy politician? Oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And, side note, he's got great hair. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, right. He he does. Uh, I I was trying to figure out how... Because he looks like he's really young in a lot of the photos. I can't really tell, though. Uh, I'm I'm oh, he, horrible yeah, he with that. He definitely looks young. He looks. He look. I hate to say it, but he looks younger than me. I uh, yeah. I would say he's he's maybe thirty. He's starting to get some grain going on there. But hell, I've been gray since I've been twenty. So uh, I don't really know. Him and his wife are both beautiful. These are the beautiful people. They 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 are uh, definitely Republican. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, it's easy to tell where this guy's at. Uh, I'm sure he is chomping at the bit to talk to people. Um, being a being an Indiana uh, uh, being an Indiana House representative or, or even an Indiana senator, it's not the same thing as being on your city council where you're doing your job at least once or twice every month. They have time when they are they are in session. It's not considered a full-time job. So this guy's got some kind of other job that he's doing. And he goes to Indianapolis uh, for, you know, a couple weeks and, and, and plays politician. I'm not giving him any disrespect here, but, it you know, they, they do their thing and then they come home. I'm sure this guy would love to talk to people. I've not messaged him or anything, but I'm going to try to send him a message. But I'm sure that I'm sure that he uh, I'm sure that he would love to, to chat, as would a whole lot of other of your representatives like this. And people need to understand that they should do that. That's part of getting active and involved. If you feel like you can reach out and contact your local city council and your county council and your mayor. There's nothing that says that you can't contact these people as well because these people are actually making the laws that in a lot of cases your local officials are working off of. And so there's nothing that says you can't reach out to these people. But yeah, looking at him, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. I I thought that as I when I pulled him up that he is uh he sure fits the sure fits the just the whole the whole he he's the perfect picture of what he should be. <laughs> yeah, he, so he was originally elected at 25 and he was the youngest member of the Indiana House at the time. Wow, really? So, where have you found where did you find that at? Uh, I googled him. <laughs> really? Wow, he's yeah. he, so he's on Google. He was so the, he is he is uh, he was elected in 2010 when he was 25, so that makes him you know, somewhere around 35 or 36. Okay, so he's a little bit older than what I thought he was. That's that's not bad. He's from Mishawaka, lives in Osceola, Os- Osceola, Indiana. Osceola. 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 Osceola, okay. 
I learned something new. Do you know where that's at? Yeah, so, I mean, this just proves, like, if instead of, uh, I guess I would would urge you, if you, whether you are for or against this bill, um, instead of just being willing to speak to WTHR or Fox 59 or, or whatever news outlet is asking you, hey, talk to us about this bill because you do hair. Right. Talk to this guy. Right, right, right. Um, because the news, I've I've got news for you. The news doesn't give a shit about how you feel. Oh yes, right. <laughs> they just want to make a story off of you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, they're they're there to to make money and to get to uh, get viewers, and so that's that's exactly correct. That's that is what they're concerned with. Maybe he could tell you why this matters to him. Maybe you could change his mind. Maybe maybe because he talked to you. He could say, well, I'm going to pull this. So, yeah, you really need to uh, reach out and, and talk to your officials. That's part of being a good citizen, getting active, getting involved, and being a part of, uh, a part of the process. You know, the whole thing that I've said here for, for going on three years is bettering government through citizen involvement, and that is part of the process, is talking to these folks. Um, I'm looking here. Wesco said, as long as consumer knows they're engaging in business with an unlicensed individual, then they can have a choice to do that. And that is what I think it comes down to. I would never want anybody to lie to me or to misrepresent themselves. I would hate to think currently under what we currently have that you would go someplace and someone would be uh, conducting business unlicensed and and you thinking something and and them be lying or misrepresenting themselves to you but if everyone knows that there are individuals that can practice within this field or other fields that might happen later on down the road because i do see the argument here that this could be a slippery slope like maybe we you know start unlicensing a whole lot of things you know i I, I don't know how far that would go. It's not like we're talking about doctors or attorneys or or pharmacists. You know, obviously they would still have to have, you know, what it would take to be in those professions, the schooling and, and whatnot. But as long as you know what you're dealing with, I don't see the harm in letting citizens uh, and the free market decide if if, you know, and if you're really good and you haven't been to school, and you don't have a license and you kick ass because you're, maybe your mother was a beautician and licensed and you grew up around it and you know you grew up in that situation but you just never went through the schooling to do that. Maybe you kick ass and you can make a lot of money and, and have a good time and people can love uh, coming and getting their hair cut or, or their makeup done or their nails did or, or whatever other situation that goes on with all of that i just i don't see this as I, I i think there's a lot of other issues out here to bitch about it's it to me it's almost unsettling if twenty six thousand people have gotten in a tizzy over this i got a lot of other information they need to hear <laughs> uh there's a lot of other shit wrong in the state of indiana uh than whether or not my barber has a license or not in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, so when I was a young mom, like for the first time, when I was a first time mom 
and we were super duper broke. I was going to the local beauty school. Oh yeah. To get my hair done. Mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I didn't know anyone at the school, so I was not going to support, you know, any one person that was trying to finish their education. I was just going because it was a lot cheaper. Right. And, uh, I, I will admit there was one time where my hair did get fried, but there were many other times that it didn't. Yeah. You had a great experience. And, and those students are not licensed. They are being supervised by, you know, licensed cosmetologists who have also put in extra education to become educators. Um, but I, I knew full well I was having a service done by someone who wasn't licensed. I knew the risks and I was fine with it because it was saving me money. I was still able to get my hair done. And then um, there for a while between my, my first child and my, my twins, I started doing my hair on my own. Oh because yeah. Right. I've done, I mean, I've done the same thing to my hair for like decades now. Um, <laughs> so I knew what to do. Sure. But I have I have such long hair and so much hair that eventually there were too many times that I said, hey, honey, did I miss any spots? And he was like, no, you're fine. <laughs> and um, I indeed missed spots that right. I decided to start going back. And now I see it. Um, do I like that she does my hair and she does a good job? Yes, of course I do. But I go now as like, that's like my me time, you know? Right. Yeah, sure. And I, I don't even like question her um education or her skill yeah. or her ability because really I go for the conversation. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> how many people out there and how many times have you ever gotten your hair cut that you've asked to see your barber or your beautician's license? Have you ever had them crack out their degree and show you who who knows where these people even went to school? Does anybody know that? You know? Uh, uh, well, their license won't display where they went to school. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and it, I mean, it's the same with like you go to get your nails done. Like you can see that they have their little license behind their station, but like, how did sure. they get? I, I'll stop because that. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no, now you got to say it. No, I just like you know, primarily are a, a lot of the nail salons around here are. Of, of they're all Asian yes. people running them. So I've always wondered, like, I don't know of any nail schools around here. Yeah. Um, I know it's possible because um, I've had a couple of friends that have gone. Well, actually, I do know there's one in Anderson um, that I know of for sure. But like, so when when they if they come over here from, you know, Thailand or China or Japan or wh wherever um, they're coming from, and this is, I'm, I know I'm speaking ignorantly because I know nothing about this. This is a genuine question. So please don't come at me with any sideways <laughs> talk because I know what I'm saying. Can their, does their education, so if they, if they learned how to do nails in their home country and then they come here and apply for their license, does that count? Does it count? Yeah, right. Because, and that's a that's to me a legitimate question because sometimes in some cases you hear that individuals go through medical school in some foreign countries and are doctors in their country and sometimes they come here and they're doctors here sometimes you hear that they become nurses here sometimes you hear they become cab drivers 
or they they work in a a uh, you know a butcher shop, and so what in what situation does the education wherever you are outside of the United States, what what's the what makes that become okay, you've come here, we accept your education, or okay, you've come here and we don't accept it. You know, what is the, uh, what's the difference? I, I don't understand that. And that's that's a really good point. And I'll tell you a really interesting uh, kind of a side to that. When I lived in Winchester, I lived right next door to a rental property. Most of the houses were all, you know, owned property except the house that lived right next door to me was a rental property and the lady rented to the Chinese family that lived in town that owned a nail salon and the uh, one of the Chinese restaurants in Winchester. Winchester loves their Chinese restaurants. There were four small little Winchester. There were two Chinese restaurants within about a mile of each other. Um, and in the middle of the night, one evening, I witnessed the, because I was friendly and would talk to these, uh, the, these neighbors. I never knew their name. We would go in and they would give us, uh, 15 or 20% off of our Chinese, which was amazing. And they would give my ex-wife discounts on her nails. Uh, I guess because we were neighbors, I pushed them out of the snow once. And I think that's why they did it. Uh, we never asked. They just offered, and we could really barely have a conversation with them. You know, they really didn't know English that well. But in the middle of the night one night, they packed up. It was a father and a mother and three children and, like, the father's brother and then, like, a set of, of par- parents, like maybe the father's mom and dad or the wife's mom and dad. And I I literally watched them pack up a very few items, I mean, basically what you could carry, get inside of a van and drive away. And the next day just happened we were going to go to the Chinese restaurant and it said it was closed. It said it would be closed for a week. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. They must have went on vacation or something. And within a couple days, the van returned with a man, a woman, uh, the, another man, the brother, a set of older parents, and two or three kids. There might have been one less kid, but it was a completely different set of people. It was not and the they same still people. they come in and start running the salon and the Chinese restaurant, right? Not only did they come in and start running the restaurant and the Chinese, they moved, they lived in the house. They, yeah, they, they moved right in the house. I didn't even understand. I was like, what in the hell is going on here? And they started right up like nothing had ever switched. They didn't know us. We had to f- get familiar with them. It was very strange, but it was just like overnight something changed and a new family came in and was like, okay, we're doing this. It was very, very awkward, but they started and no, I, I know they didn't change anything with the licensing or whatnot. Right. Yeah. I've, I've wondered that too, because I've seen, I don't get my nails done professionally anymore um but i did a lot when i was younger like late high school early college and i would you know get used to seeing the same lady and then i'd go in the next time you know it's been three or four weeks and there's like four new people yeah and i'm like 
I wondered then, just like I wonder now, like, how the hell are you getting licensed right. when you just got here last night? Right, right. Absolutely. And that's, listen, I, I don't know if people are going to think that's a racist statement that I made. I, that's an honest to God that is an honest to God story, and I, what you're what you're asking right there is 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 serious. I, I get it. If someone right, is just coming in, it. I, yeah. I, I genuine curiosity. Yeah, I right. I genuinely want to know, like how how does the state approve or deny these license requests, right. or it, it, are they practicing under someone else's name? Sure, you know, like. I'm sure people do that. Like, oh, yeah. Any people. I'm not just talking nail salons or Asians. I'm sure there are plenty of people that do oh, yeah. that across the board when it comes to licenses. Not Absolutely. Well, um, so and, that's and, a, and, a possibility, too. And like you said, you know, how can you, how do you, how do you report that? Is it not reported? Does It just seems like it really doesn't matter. And then at that point, what are we even discussing? Why is this a thing? If it, if if the license is there, it almost seems like the whole point is just to make that first initial money when the people have to pay uh, the state, and that's what it all comes back to with Donald Rainwater. You know, let's let's kind of cut ties with Indiana, feeling like it needs to charge you money for your education or your skill that you've learned and that you, in some cases you've had to pay for, and then now for you to be able to make money so they can tax you, uh, you have to pay them to get the license. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, think that's, I think that's a ripoff, and I can understand needing to do away with it. And for everybody out there that is uh, someone who's went through the schooling and worked your ass off for the education and for the experience, uh, this does not devalue you. You're amazing what you've done, and your amount of customers and your work history speaks volumes for what you've done. And I don't think that you should see that as devaluing oh. you in any way. So holy hell, I think this is going to be a really good way to <laughs> wrap, wrap this her up. up. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at articles on news stations since we've been talking and you've mentioned a couple times that to be a PI, right? yep. investigate, you as an individual don't have to be licensed, but your firm Yep. Have to be. Is that correct? That's so to my knowledge. I, I just saw an article. This article is dated four days ago. Okay. Out of Fox News in Florida. And it says Casey Anthony, let that name sink in for a minute. Oh, yeah. Has launched a private investigation firm. No way. According to People Magazine, she filed the documents in December, listing herself as a registered agent of Case Research and Consulting Services, LLC. So there you have it, folks. That just proves that you do not in any way, shape, or form have to be a good person and or good at your job to get a license in it. That is insane. I can't even My believe mind, that. I my mind is sufficiently blown now. That's do do they uh, do they? Oh man, I don't. I shouldn't even say it. Do they specialize in missing children's investigations? It does not. It says the business is registered to a West Palm Beach home 
owned by Patrick McKenna, Anthony's lead investigator, who was part of her defense team in 2011. Uh, state records uh. reveal that Anthony does not have a Florida private investigator's license. So in Florida, the individual does have to be licensed. And yeah. as a convicted felon, she is unable to attain one. Oh. Shocker. Jesus. A source told the outlet, though, that Anthony, who continues to maintain her innocence, is looking to help others who are facing serious legal charges. So basically, she's going to start working for this PI firm with the tagline, if I can get off, so can you. Oh, my God. That is that is absolutely out of control. And that's, that last sentence there was obviously not quoted from the article. That is something that I came up <laughs> that you said with that, that's good. all on my own. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, all right. Well, I think that's a uh, great place to wrap her then. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, uh, where can you be found? I can be found on Facebook at Amber Green, G-R-E-E-N-E. And you can find any of my uh, beauty products and or information or just my quick wit at a touch of green, G-R-E-E-N-E, on Facebook as well. Very good. All right, folks, thank you very much, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.